0: Welcome to the BCMA podcast. I'm your host, Lorenda Calvert. We are so grateful to be joined today by Sean Holman from the Climate Disaster Project. Good morning, Sean. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. Um, Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so I'm the Wayne Crooks Professor of Climate and Environmental Journalism at the University of Victoria. Um, And I'm a former investigative journalist, so my background is holding governments accountable for wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I eventually became an information historian, curious about why we value information and democracy. And that's sort of what led me to my present position and my work as part of the Climate Disaster Project, which I know we're going to talk about.
0: I am so excited to talk about the Climate Disaster Project. I would love also perhaps a follow-up podcast to talk about an information historian. I think that's such a uh, interesting and thought-provoking um, topic. But today, I'm extremely excited to discuss the Climate Disaster Project. Um, now, Sean, why don't we? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about where you are? at this moment in your time and place?
1: Yeah, so I'm currently uh, in Victoria's Chinatown, just steps away from Fantan Alley Mm -hmm. on the traditional territories of the Lekwungen and Wasanich nations. And the reason why this uh, is, um, uh, and one of the great joys of living down in Chinatown Mm -hmm is that uh, I get to participate in all the cultural activity uh, that happens just beneath my window. So that's Um, lovely.
0: That's wonderful. I was in Chinatown um, just last week, and it was so wonderful to be down there. But do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about the Climate Disaster
1: Project? Absolutely. So the Climate Disaster Project is an international teaching newsroom that works with climate disaster-affected communities to share and investigate their stories. Mm -hmm. So what our students do, and this classroom activity actually happens at a network of post-secondary institutions, uh, both in Canada and around the world. Um, Our students work with climate disaster survivors using a trauma-informed process Mm -hmm. to co-create oral histories about their experiences. Um, And then we take those oral histories and adapt them into shorter as told to testimonies that only Mm. use the survivor's own words. Mm. Um, And then we take a look through those oral histories for potential investigative and solutions journalism projects, really creating a, a bottom up newsroom that responds to the needs of disaster-affected communities.
0: Oh, Um, and how did the Climate Disaster Project come to be?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I became really interested in the role of journalism in this new age of disaster that we are living in. Mm -hmm. I became really interested in how journalists can be of service to people who are affected by disasters. And ultimately, that is going to be all of us. And I became interested in this because most of the time newsrooms and especially investigative journalists operate in a bit of a top-down way. We decide what the stories are and Mm -hmm. then we investigate um, what those stories are Mm -hmm. rather than really listening to the people that we are reporting on. Um, so I started to sort of think about sort of what, 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 what might journalism look like, um, if we approached it from this bottom-up perspective instead. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was really interested in disrupting and sort of rethinking, um, the role of journalism in society, So Mm -hmm. since the Cold War, since the end of the Second World War, um, so much of our politics have really been shaped by the idea that information can provide us with control and certainty. So the idea is that with information we can make better decisions about the world around us thereby controlling public and private institutions and with information we can feel more certain about the world around us uh better understanding the past and present and better anticipating the future And the environmental movement and the consumer protection movement and the investigative journalism movement were really informed by these ideas. So Rachel Carson, the author of Silent Spring, her favorite quote was, the obligation to endure gives us the right to know. Um, Ralph Nader, the consumer protection advocate, his favorite quote was, information is the currency of democracy. And this idea that if only we know If only we know what is happening, we can do something about it has really been a a fundamental to our politics Mm -hmm. uh, since the Second World War ended. Um, But I, I think we're really moving out of that space now and we're moving out of that space because information no longer seems to be providing the control and certainty that it used to, in part because so many of our problems are related to environmental issues and the environment doesn't care (laughs) about information in the same way that governments and corporations do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I sort of started to think about, you know, What what can replace information and information is being replaced in a lot of different ways, and unfortunately some really awful ways, we see this in the rise of authoritarianism we see this in the rise of identitarianism we see this in the rise of you know anti immigrant and racist sentiment. Um, these are all forms of control and certainty. Scapegoating is a form of control and certainty. And conspiracy theories are a form of control and certainty They're unhealthy forms of control and certainty, mm. but they're forms of control and certainty.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think what we need to do is we need to think about how can we create community mm. that provides us with the kind of control and certainty the kind of resilience, the kind of equality, the kind of equity
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, that is necessary to survive on a hotter planet. And and Mm. that's what the Climate Disaster Project is all about.
0: That's too big of a question to ask here. How can we create community?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's um, a uh, appropriate question. We Mm. create community through the sharing of story. Mm. all we ever want as people is to know and be known. That's mm. that's what we want in this world. We want mm. other people to know us and we want to know other people. Mm-hmm. And we do that through the sharing of story by letting mm. other people know us better. And that is at the heart of the Climate Disaster Project's work. How can we let each other know ourselves and know other people better? And we do that by conducting these very trauma-skilled oral history interviews, gathering information about you know, people's lives, places Mm -hmm. that they live, the disaster experiences that they had, but also crucially what they think can be done about those experiences in the future, the help they received, didn't receive, wanted to receive, gave to others, gave themselves, what they think can be done about climate change, what they think can be done about climate disasters. Mm -hmm. And then we mobilize that so we can build community around these, experiences that we are all having together, showing Mm -hmm. the intersectionality and universality of climate Mm -hmm. change and being able to build bridges between those experiences. So we understand that we are all in this together. We are all affected unequally Mm -hmm. by this and that we can come together as a people, to survive the coming decades.
0: I, as you were talking and talking about the collective experience, um, brought to mind all of the um, extreme weather events and warnings that we've had in the past few years and how, um, how that, that is a shared collective experience through my own community. But also um, when you mentioned the uncertainty, uh, I just made me think of how, you know, you could, we, we, we became a period where you could um, bet that it was not going to be a white Christmas here on the West Coast. I remember being a kid and there being those advertisements for um, steep ski discounts. If it's a white Christmas, we'll have 80 percent off which you could offer because the odds of it being a white Christmas were so low. And then as I got older, it got even more ridiculous to expect a white Christmas, um, except for the fat, past few years where I could not I could not trust on my past lived experience to provide clarity on what this winter was going to look like, because it is now so uh, up in the air that be, because the climate is changing, um, has changed. You can't rely on your community's past information to know what the future holds um I hope our, our listeners also uh, made those connections as well but I'd love to ask you mentioned trauma and trauma informed practice a few mm-hmm. times while you were introducing us the climate disaster project and how it came to be and I'd love to hear more about centering in trauma trauma informed practice in your work could you expand on that for us
1: yeah, absolutely. So trauma exists at the extremes of lack of control. That's where mm. trauma exists. Mm. Okay. And so that means because a warmer world is also a more uncontrollable world, mm-hmm. that it is also a more traumatic world Mm -hmm. we need to be responsive to that trauma exists in the form of death Mm -hmm. serious injury sexual assault threats and actual experiences of all three of those things as well as repeated exposure to them Mm -hmm. um witnessing them and having close friends and relatives experience them. That's where mm-hmm. trauma exists. And so not all traumatic events, which disasters are, result in trauma. That's 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 something that we know. Mm-hmm. But we know that traumatic events can create trauma. Mm-hmm. So we need to be sensitive to that in our work. And because we understand that, that trauma is really fundamentally about a lack of control, we give the survivors that we work with an enormous amount of control mm-hmm. during the process of creating the story with them. Mm-hmm. So that starts um, with a pre-interview where our students go through the questions that we'd like to ask the survivor Mm -hmm. And they ask, can we change that question? Would you like to change that question? Would you like to add any questions? Would you like to remove any questions? Mm -hmm. By the time we actually get to the interview itself, the questions that are going to be asked are Mm co-created, right? It's a co-created artifact. And then when the transcript is produced and when the testimony is produced, Survivor, of course, gets an opportunity to review that Mm -hmm. Um, add information they forgot, correct incorrect information and remove information that they're uncomfortable with. But one of the other beautiful things about this project is before students go into the field to work with a climate disaster survivor, what they do is, is they actually create their own testimonies with one another. And then they provide that testimony to the survivor that they're going to be working with so that the survivor knows more about them Mm -hmm. then the student knows about the survivor disrupting Mm -hmm. the traditional power imbalance that exists Mm -hmm. in an interview. Mm -hmm. And we believe that's really important. It violates (laughs) a lot of what we would traditionally understand as journalistic practice, Mm -hmm. but we also understand that that disruption is really important in a world that is becoming increasingly uncontrollable mm-hmm. and increasingly traumatic for so many people.
0: Mm-hmm. Sean, we did a session at our, our gathering, our annual um, time of learning just this past uh, fall, Um, on trauma-informed practice, and it's something that we've brought up in the resources and education opportunities we provide here at the BCMA, and I think that was the best succinct description of why trauma-informed practice is important and what you can do to address that and what that looks in action. That was such a wonderful um, summary that was so well done.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it's difficult. I think we're all trying to figure out what trauma informed practice looks like. Mm-hmm. And the challenge is that while we have sort of some thinking about what this looks like and on sort of a case by case basis, mm-hmm. at least within journalism, it hasn't really been proceduralized, it hasn't mm-hmm. really been mm-hmm. codified, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of know what to do, sort of, right, Mm -hmm. on a case-by-case basis. But so few media organizations have sort of really taken the time to really process it out. Mm -hmm. What does it look like when we're going through this process, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have to do that for the Climate Disaster Project because we are working with so many survivors at such Mm -hmm. a large scale. And because we're working with students um, who need this kind of guidance if they're going to do this kind of work in the field. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. And it's, um, uh, taking a trauma informed practice approach requires more time Um, The time to the time to work on those questions together, the time to share your information with the survivor. And if you are looking at it as an institution or an organization, you have to view it as a um, top to bottom approach, because you need to recognize that this is going to take double the amount of time that what you might have been doing beforehand would have. Um, so everyone al- along the the way has to acknowledge that, accept that and embrace that so that you don't end up with that friction of, you know, trying to, trying to um, work on these questions with your survivor, but you have a deadline looming um, okay. or spending time introducing yourself to them and letting them get to know you when you need this to be uh, submitted at the end of the day. Um, and it has to be bigger than just those one-on-one connections, but a whole organization, institute, and um, perhaps community shift in the way that we're we're doing our work.
1: Absolutely, 100%. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why we do take the amount of time that we do, right, Mm -hmm. with a survivor to sort of go through this process. We estimate that each of the oral histories, each of the testimonies that we Mm -hmm. create, takes about 14 hours on the part Mm -hmm. of the student. That's a large amount of time, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that doesn't include, um, you know, the identification of that survivor and and sort of the recruitment process that we Mm -hmm. go through to... Involve them in this sort of co-creation. Um, mm-hmm. but we think it's really worthwhile. Um, we think that it makes a difference, and we think that it creates the kind of stories we need mm-hmm. to strengthen the communities that are needed to survive on a hotter planet.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it makes it um, it makes it that genuine connection, and and like you said, it's giving control back to those survivors in a time of um uncertainty um and when you when you were talking about these climate disasters i was thinking you know the heat dome the atmospheric river the flooding um the wildfires just this past summer and in august we today um Amuse News uh, podcast where we um, shared an article that was reflecting on the current West Kelowna wildfire and that it was the 20th anniversary of the, I think it's the Kettle Trestle wildfire that was in 2003. And mm-hmm. I remember sharing that article and just thinking how, what kind of nightmare r- reminders, if you were in West Kelowna, are you thinking of looking at this massive wildfire from the one that was in 2003 Um, and it it, these climate um severe weather events affect our membership our our podcast listeners our our um, communities um so i'd love to talk about the impact of climate crises and natural disasters on cultural heritage sites um as you know the bcma supports uh museums of the broadest term throughout the province um What role do you see museums and cultural institutions in BC play in their communities in these times of crisis?
1: A huge role um, Mm, mm -hmm, because, mm -hmm. you know, like journalists, museum workers or storytellers, Mm. we're all involved in the process of story sharing Mm -hmm. in one form or another. And I think that our memories of these disasters Mm -hmm. and that our experiences in these disasters can be a powerful form of rooting, can be a powerful form of stability, can be a powerful form of control and certainty against the backdrop of really profound uncertainty and lack of control, because we can come together through these memories we can share experiences through these memories and know that we're not alone Mm -hmm. in these experiences and know that there are other people who are going through the same thing and be able to connect with other people about this. And Mm -hmm. that's partially why one of the projects that we're embarking on uh, as part of the climate disaster project is how can we create a living, traveling mm. exhibit based on testimony um, so that communities across British Columbia, communities mm-hmm. across Canada, communities around the world can have an opportunity to center their climate experiences mm-hmm. in a physical place, in mm-hmm. place of the museum and be able to come together around that experience and be able to commemorate those experiences and to be able to rebuild from those experiences. Mm -hmm. That's really, I think, vitally important. And I think museums can form a play an incredibly powerful role Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at this time.
0: Mm -hmm. I am not to hark back again on this article. um, I, it is so fresh in my mind because I was the one who who shared it in our Muse News. podcast but the the article speaking of the um Kelowna wildfires spoke about an exhibition that the Kelowna museum um had shared a year after that 2003 wildfire that was talking about the meaning of home and had interviewed people who had lost their homes um who had to evacuate and, you know, with so little notice and were leaving, realized that they had left with, um, you know, a bathing suit, um, one can of beans and a single photo album, no no other uh, personal belongings because it was so rapid that they had to leave. Um, and having a space to have that exhibition, to share these stories, to unpack these stories, to um, recognize what had happened to your community and collectively grieve through this and and address it um, was so valuable then, but also still valuable now in this twenty anniversary of this fire to, to discuss those um, experiences and the, the meaning of homes and community. Um, so I'm so happy to hear that that's something that you recognize um, museums and cultural institutes having a place in in this discussion.
1: Yeah, and it's so important because yeah. when we experience these kind of traumatic events, mm-hmm. they can also feel separate from our lives, mm-hmm. right? They can feel like something separate, something that happened to someone else even though it mm-hmm. happened to us, right? Mm-hmm. And part of recovery from that experience is about reintegrating, right? Mm-hmm. That memory into our life. What did it mean for us, right? How did it affect us, right? Being able to make those connections. Mm -hmm. And again, I think museum, right, can play a really powerful role. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Climate Disaster Project is really interested Mm -hmm. in working in those spaces, right, Mm -hmm. to to, to sort of do that kind of sharing work. Mm -hmm. Um, We think that, as I say, memory can be a powerful form of stability at this time.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, um, the BCMA has produced and shared many resources, and we also work with an organization called BC Hearn, which is the Heritage Emergency Response Network, where we um, address museums and cultural institutions in, in the immediate time of crisis. Um, you know, if your organization can be a cooling center, um, how to um, address your collections if you've got flooding, how to be... Um, a place for shelter for your community. Um, We talk about that, and those are things we've shared before, and I'll link those in the description of this podcast. But I'm really loving this discussion of that um, role these museums and cultural institutions can play in this storytelling, in this community processing, collective processing of these events. Um, After the immediate crisis has occurred, how can we share, connect, learn, move past um and I I will also share a link to the climate disaster project in the description of this podcast as well so you can check um the climate
1: disaster project websites out um Sean- yeah and, and and I I just want to sort of mm. you know go back to that it, it really mm-hmm. is sort of we think I think that climate change is a technological problem mm-hmm that's what we think Mm -hmm. it's actually a societal problem Mm -hmm. that's what it really is Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and we need to be spending much more time as a society thinking about what is necessary what can we do Mm -hmm. as a people Mm -hmm. right as social creatures To get through Mm -hmm. what is going to be an increasingly traumatized world, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And how can we mitigate that? How can we adapt to it? Mm -hmm. And that means different communities, communities that are stronger, communities Mm -hmm. that are more equitable, Mm -hmm. communities that are more resilient, Communities that are more sustainable. The kind of communities that we want to live in anyways. Mm -hmm. Really, right? Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. want more connection and community. We want that kind of experience, I think, in our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's what climate change is all about. Climate Mm -hmm. change Mm -hmm. is about an opportunity to create a different kind of society Mm that is better than the one we have today. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so, I'm such a big believer in the role museums can play in that.
0: That makes me so happy to hear because I do believe that our sector um, is so powerful in the transformation that we can play in our societies. And I was going to ask the last question, which is what is the importance of telling these stories? But I feel like you just summarized um, just directly summarized what the importance of telling these stories are, um, wow. but but I'm going to ask it anyways. What is the what is the importance of telling these stories? Is there anything that you would want to expand upon? Although I do feel that you just summarized it so beautifully.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, it's so that we can move across this landscape mm-hmm. of the future together. Mm-hmm. It's so that we can move across this landscape of the future, not as strangers, mm-hmm. not as people who don't know one another, but as friends, mm-hmm. as family, as community. Mm-hmm. That's how we survive. And more importantly, that's how we thrive. It is the kind of world we want. It is the kind of world we want. And at the cusp of this new age of disaster, we need to seize the opportunity to create that better world. That's what we need to do. What a wonderful
0: call to action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Sean, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It has been an incredibly insightful conversation. Um, I've deeply enjoyed... Uh, hearing you speak and share your knowledge um, and also learning more about the Climate Disaster Project and I know our listeners um, feel likewise. Um, we are so, so grateful for you taking the time today. Is there any, uh, any last thoughts you'd like to share with us? Any last um, poetic calls to action?
1: <laughs> I really am a believer in the power of story as I know all of our listeners um, are and we can together tell the kind of stories better stories that will avert disaster i mean more than anything else you know we got into this space of climate catastrophe because of the kind of stories that we told we weren't mm. telling the right stories mm. right mm-hmm. and i do think there is still an opportunity to tell better stories mm. and tell the kind of stories that we need
0: mm-hmm. um if you would like to read more about the climate disaster project do visit climatedisasterproject.com and as i said we will provide a link Uh, to the website in this episode description, as well as our extreme weather um, resources and our BC Hearn links. Sean, thank you so much. This was absolutely wonderful to have you here and chatting with us. I really do deeply appreciate it. Um, Thank you.
1: Thank you so very much, Lorenda.
0: the BCMA podcast on Podbean or your favorite podcast streaming platform and stay up to date with news and stories from museums, galleries, and cultural institutions across BC and beyond.